What's going on, FA Nation? Uh, welcome back. We do apologize for a later than usual NASCAR DFS podcast. Uh, we normally record these on Thursdays. Had to do it Friday night this week. I was stuck at the office late last night. Um, but we are coming off the Martinsville truck race. Pretty interesting results. We'll see if they carry over the rest of the weekend. We're also coming off uh, just two days ago, a Wednesday race for Texas where they finished it. Clint Boyer held the lead for 72 hours. That was pretty impressive, right, Matt? Yeah, it was. Uh, unfortunately for him, he did not get a trophy after holding the lead for 72 hours. Oh, no. And I think running the longest, uh, actually, it's not the longest elapsed uh, lap time in NASCAR history. Um, they went over the in the early race coverage uh, when the race started back up again on Wednesday that apparently in 1972, they, they ran 52 laps of a Bristol race and then it started to rain. And obviously the track, the track drying technology back then was not what it was is now. So they left and ran another race and came back two two weeks later and finished the remaining 448 laps of the Bristol race. <laughs> and I think they said David Pearson led all 500 laps, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, somebody led all 500 laps. So that's technically the longest rain delay in NASCAR history. So this is the second longest rain delay in NASCAR history. Um, pretty interesting strategy at the end of the race there with, with fuel mileage playing such a huge role and Kyle Busch apparently was real close to running out of fuel because I think he, he ran a, out of fuel on his victory lap yeah he did a burnout and then needed to push to Jimmy Johnson victory lane and yes that's the actual name of victory lane in Texas now they changed the name because Jimmy Johnson's won there seven times and finished runner-up five times um so yeah that was pretty interesting to see Kyle Busch have that in his bag of tricks because we've never really seen Kyle Busch do that he also looked really relieved um, I don't know if I've ever seen Kyle Busch that relieved after a win to like get off the schneid like he had been. So that yeah. was, that was kind of interesting to see. Also, he made the joke. He forgot to bow and made the joke that it had been so long that he forgot to bow, <laughs> which is obviously his signature thing. So, um, you know, good for Kyle Busch keeps his now 16 year winning streak in the cup series going. Obviously he had, no ramifications on the playoffs. Um, Martin Truex Jr. was oh so close to locking his way into the playoffs, obviously finishing second. And um, in case you missed it, he was docked 20 points before the Texas race started because his team did something weird with the spoiler on his number 19 car there. And so NASCAR took the spoiler, ejected the uh, crew chief, which I have to believe that James Smalls, didn't really mind that because then he got to go home before the whole rain delay started. So he may not have actually minded, um, you know, being stuck in Texas for four days. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty interesting week there in Texas. We had some, uh, Corey LaJoy was raiding the local fast food. I don't know if you saw that on Twitter. Saw something uh, about that. Yeah. Yeah. He was raiding in and out, <laughs> uh, saying it still sucks. Um, then there's Bucky's, which is a which is a um, like a gas station joint that's near the track that has pretty decent offerings for gas station food. Uh, Matt De Benedetto told his fans to start forwarding his mail to Texas Motor Speedway because he had moved there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> who else had some fun? There was some other fun. Uh, there was also a caution during the employee 500 while they were trying to get. So on Tuesday, they were trying to dry the track even more. So they brought all of the, uh, like, service vehicles and extra fan, like, extra employee cars out. And they called yeah. it the Employee 500. There was a caution during that for debris on the track. <laughs> so overall, it was a pretty wacky weekend there in Texas, stretched to midweek. Um, but overall, pretty interesting race. And now we get ready for Martinsville, the paperclip. Uh and this is sure to be a very intense race. Um, you know, short tracks already bump up the intensity. And now it's there's only one spot left. You know, one, one chance to automatically punch your ticket uh, to the championship four. So 
you know, as the PGA likes to call the PGA Championship, as I said at the top of the track breakdown, uh, it's Glory's last shot. So it's the last chance to punch your ticket there to the championship. Obviously, uh, two drivers um, are going to, like, well, I guess three drivers, depending on who wins, two or three drivers are going to point their way into this um, this year. So it'll be kind of interesting to see what shakes out here on Sunday. All right. Now we're coming off the truck race on Friday night. Uh, Grant Enfinger wins. And he, it was it was actually a pretty exciting ending. Um, Grant Empinger wins, kind of gets his way, he wins his way into the final four in Phoenix. Um, I know we talked about how we were going to talk a little bit about Xfinity. Uh, the, the problem is that Xfinity hasn't run at Martinsville in 14 years, so a lot of these guys have never run at this track before. Uh, we don't even have practice or qualifying. There are a few drivers that have run here. Um, AJ Allmendinger being one of them. Uh, Brandon Jones ran in the truck race on Friday night. There are a couple other guys. I know there's an ARCA driver. His first name's Manny. Last name's slipping my mind right now. I apologize. It's late. There are a few guys that have ran at Martinsville before. However, <laughs> we don't have anything to really go off of aside from pricing and where they're starting. So Saturday's playbook for the Xfinity race is going to be one of those tables that we've done previously where we kind of break down the price and the starting spot, what they need for five and six X value, and basically just a quick write-up on on the opinion of the driver. That's how the Xfinity playbook is going to go. Also not going to do example lineups for the Xfinity race um, just because there's so much unknown about how this could go down. Uh, the, the short tracks, especially as we saw on Friday, the guys starting too far back are still at risk of being lapped early. So it's like we, we can try and identify, you know, those PD plays um, like Parker Kligerman in the truck race. That didn't work out. Um, so it, it's definitely it, there. There are just a lot of unknowns with the Xfinity race. And, and I went heavy on the truck race on Friday because I love the contest. I don't love the Xfinity contest on Saturday. Uh, I may enter a few three-entry max contests. I may do a total of five or six lineups. I'm not going super heavy. I'm not super excited about this slate. Definitely much more excited about the cup race on Sunday and putting Martin Truex Jr. in every single one of my lineups. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be pretty hard to ignore Martin Truex Jr. this week uh, for sure. But yeah, circling back to Xfinity, it's going to be pretty nuts to try to figure out exactly what's going on there because – you know, they haven't raced there. Xfinity hasn't raced there uh, since 2006. And here's a little trivia for you. The last winner of an Xfinity race at Martinsville was Kevin Harvick. Yeah. So that tells you just how long ago <laughs> they raced. At, uh, and I think you were saying on driveraverages.com, they give credit for, what, six or seven, quote unquote, active drivers that have raced in the Xfinity series at Martinsville. And Mm -hmm. that's losing, that's using the word active pretty loosely. They count like JJ Yaley as an active uh, driver, which, you know, technically he is, he's on the track. That's about it. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I was listening to the Dale Jr. uh, Download earlier this week. They had uh, Kyle Larson on as their guest. Pretty interesting episode. That's also, by the way, the reason why he was not on the Texas Cup broadcast. He flew back to record the uh, broadcast, which, by the way, I guess we skipped over the big news of the week. There was not really news by the time it actually came out, but that Kyle Larson officially signed a deal with Hendrick Motorsports Yep, uh, to be in the number five car. So essentially the 88 is turning into the five uh, or what used to be driven by Casey Kane. Um, back when he drove for Hendrick Motorsports. Um, so that was the big news. And so they recorded a podcast on Tuesday that then released on Wednesday, which was then after the announcement had already been made. And so Dale Jr. was saying he's kind of now bummed that he signed up to, to do the broadcast for the Xfinity race uh, on NBC because he's also an owner for, for you know, obviously JRM, you know, JR Motorsports is his team and a lot of his guys are going to be involved in a lot of stuff throughout the race. 
And so he's going to have a pretty weird call going on 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 Saturday. So it should be a pretty exciting race to watch, I would assume. Um, There's quite a lot going on there in the Xfinity. You know, you got Noah Gragson, who's pretty disappointed, thought he had a win in hand there at Texas until one heck of a closing lap that knocked him out of the championship there until, you know, if he can punch his way in here. He was a quarter of a lap away from qualifying. Yeah, Yeah, that was an insane last lap. Like, that run was nuts. Um, And obviously, there's a ton of guys that don't want Noah Gregson to make it because he roughed them up throughout the year on the track. So that should be pretty interesting to see how they handle that on a short track. So should make for some intense, interesting racing on Saturday for the Xfinity guys, for sure. Uh, anything else you wanted to touch on news-wise? I know uh, it's Friday and they debuted. Uh, it wasn't huge news. I mean, we knew we were eventually going to see the car, but they debuted uh, Bubba yes. Wallace's 2311 uh, car next year. Yes, which is the number 23. Shocker. Um, and it's black lettering that kind of looks like the Bulls' old logo lettering. <laughs> Shocker. Um, they have not yet announced any sponsorships for the car. Um, so that's kind of still being uh, worked out, though. I think some of the details were that they would essentially buy the chassis and equipment from JGR. Um, also, not really a shocker. Where else is Denny Hamlin going to get the equipment but the team he drives for? Um, and JGR is basically going to have an alliance with them to give them all of the technical specs and everything to make essentially everybody better. So it's going to be the equivalent to what Martin Truex Jr. had when he was at Furniture Row Racing in the 78 car. So that imagine the 23 is like what the 78 was when Truex was in that. Um, uh, oh, and William Byron, they announced his crew chief for next year. Um, Rudy Fugel mm-hmm. is going to be his crew chief. And if that's not a name that's familiar to anybody, he's coming up from the uh, truck series. He's currently a crew chief for Kyle Busch Motorsports uh, at the truck level. And he actually I saw a few a, people reacting to this and they actually thought this was a pretty good get for Byron's team. It is a very good get. A, that's probably the top truck team going, I would say. Um, also, when Byron drove in the truck series... Fugel was his crew chief, and it led to a seven-win campaign in the truck series for Byron. Mm-hmm. So the two of them have worked together. Obviously, it was very uh, fruitful. They won seven times there. Um, and then also um, Jimmy Johnson's current crew chief, name just escaped me, uh, will move over and be Kyle Larson's crew chief starting next year. So... Um, Because Alex Bowman is bringing Greg Ives to the 48 team. So um, so yeah, a little bit of of that going on. Um, I guess Eric Jones was last week. Um, Nothing much else going on there with guys like Ty Dillon and, um, you know, a couple of the other guys, the Corey LaJoy. None of those guys have really... No news has really come out about them just yet. All right. You want to just start breaking down the field for Martinsville? Yeah, let's go for it. Cool. Um, <laughs> Matt kind of leaked to me before the podcast that there aren't a ton of guys that he's excited about in this field. So we do apologize if this breakdown is shorter. Um, but we'll start off with the front row. Brad Kislowski, 11,400. Martin Truex Jr., 11,800 there. This is kind of unique because in the last two years, we've seen these guys uh, each dominate a Martinsville race separately. Truex has done it twice, I think. Kozlowski really dominated with like 450-something laps led in the summer or spring race of 2019. And then I think Truex even topped him in the yep. fall race of that year. So Yeah, Kozlowski oh. led 446 starting third. Um, in the March race in 2019, and then Truex came back and said, okay, I can do you one better, and led 464 laps while starting third and won that race. And then Truex won the race here earlier this year, leading 132 laps 
Logano led a 234 here earlier this year. Um, Kozlowski actually only led five, but he was kind of in contention the whole time. So it is kind of interesting to see two, uh, not only former winners, but two guys that have both led more than 440 laps at this race, um, on the front row. Um, so, and again, we, you know, obviously this was bound to happen because Kyle Busch won last week and he's not in the playoffs, but we get the second straight week we get the winner from the previous race is not starting on the pole. Um, so, yeah, they're both priced up. They're, uh, Kislowski's 11-4 on DK, 13,000 on FanDuel. Truex is 11-8 on DraftKings and 13-5 on FanDuel. Um, it's really kind of choose whichever one you feel best with here. They both have very similar numbers. Um Kislowski's got an average finish of 3.0. Truex is 3.3 in the last four races. Truex moves up a little bit better than Kislowski to accomplish that, but obviously they're starting 1-2, so position differential doesn't really matter at this point. Um, they both have very similar driver ratings. They're within eight points of each other in driver rating. Uh, they're within 30 laps led on average of each other. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're pretty similar here. Um I would probably lean Truex a little bit more. I think he's been a little bit more consistent recently. Um, but both of them basically need wins to punch their ticket, especially Truex after getting that 20-point penalty at Texas. Um, I think Kislowski might be at the double-check the point standings here, um, but Kislowski might actually be in depending on who wins. Um, he is currently in the fourth spot, so... If either Harvick or Hamlin or himself wins, then uh, he's fine, depending on what his day looks like and point and you know points wise. But Truex is thirty six points below Kozlowski, so he's going to need Kozlowski to have a terrible day and point his way in, or Truex is simply going to have to win. Is Truex good chalk this weekend that we're okay eating? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it's short tracks. Especially one that, you know, it used to be that you would avoid Truex at a short track. But in the last, like, two and a half years, he's been basically unbeatable at short tracks. I mean, he swept Richmond uh, a couple of years ago, right? And then he's won the last two at Martinsville. And uh, he was in position to win one of the Bristol races recently. So, yeah, I I think Truex is, is... one of those guys you're just going to have to eat good chalk on. All right, we'll move on to the next row. We have Alex Bowman, 8,700. Not a terrible price tag. Nope. Uh, Denny Hamlin, 10,200. You know, most of the year it was Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin. Seen them both sort of cool off in the playoffs. Um, who do you prefer in this line? I almost want to take the value with Bowman. I do too. I agree with you on that one. Um, and I think it comes down to eye test. Um, for me, because Bowman has just been better recently, and you want to know how much better? His average finish is 7.0 in the last five races. That's the best average finish uh, in the field. He's got a better average finish by almost two spots a race than Denny Hamlin, so it's not much, but you know, two spots. I'll take it, plus it's he's like 1500 bucks cheaper than Denny Hamlin, so that's a pretty nice savings. Um, Denny's been better here recently, although it comes with some controversy as he dumped Chase Elliott. Uh, and then didn't he get into a fight with Joey Logano here last year? He might have. I think he and Joey Logano either fought last fall or fought earlier this year. Might have been earlier this year when Truex won and he was giving his post-race interview and said, oh, there's a fight on pit road. And that was between Denny Hamlin and Joey Logano. Um, So, yeah, I'd probably lean Bowman a little bit. I think he's a little bit of a contrarian play here. But in the uh, July race here, he did finish. He started eighth and finished sixth. So that's pretty that's pretty solid. Um, He's been running pretty, pretty well of late, too. And by the way, as a note, the third place. The driver that has started third in the last five races yeah, has been the highest scoring DFS spot. 
for both sites. Now, I will yeah. say... Go on. That's because you had Martin Truex Jr. start third and lead 464 laps. And Kozlowski started third and lead 464 laps. Um, that would tend to do it. <laughs> but, you know, there is consistency. There's a little bit of weight to it. Um, yeah. I know I'm in a lot of places... It- right. I'm not taking it totally like, you know, it's oh, not I'm just going to lock him in because he started third. Exactly. He's guaranteed to do this. Um, you know, because other times, uh, you know, like five races ago, the driver that started third was Logano. Started third, finished sixth, didn't lead any laps, and only had seven fastest laps. So, okay. you know, and then Denny Hamlin started third the next race, finished second, 76 fastest laps, 31 laps led. So it's not like... It's a guarantee that you're going to get out front and lead a bunch of laps. But Logano, in the spring race here, or the earlier race here, did start third lead 234 laps. So, in the last three races, the guy that started third has led at least 234 laps. Okay. I guess it's fairly useful. We'll move on to the next row. Kurt Busch, 8,500. Kevin Harvick, 11,000. I don't know how much faith I want to put in Harvick. I want to say I, I didn't look up the results from the Martinsville, the last Martinsville race. Um, I think I faded Harvick, and he. I want to say he maybe led a few laps. Or am I getting him confused, his run with at Bristol confused with Martinsville? Uh, he didn't lead any laps at Martinsville. He had 20 fastest laps. Uh, oh, started actually, he was having battery issues, and they were worried that he right. was going to come up. Right, 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 right. Okay. Yes. yes, he had. He started tenth, finished fifteenth, um, one lap down, had twenty fastest laps. So it's a remarkable run, considering the fact that basically from the drop of the green flag, they knew he was going to have a dead battery at some point. Yeah, and he still managed to run every <laughs> every lap basically. Um, who are you taking in this line? Are you taking the discount with Bush, who knows he needs to win? Or are you maybe yeah. Harvick? Yeah, I kind of want to go discount with Kurt Bush because he needs to win to make the championship. Kevin Harvick just needs to do what he does at short tracks, which is basically run solidly, but just goes in circles for 500 laps. Do good, but not win. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's... He's sitting in second in the standings behind Logano, who has the win, but Harvick is 42 points to the good. I mean, if he gets points in the first stage, he's going to lock himself in. So he he just needs to finish the race. He doesn't really need to. I mean, it's a possibility that if he gets points and then crashes out, he could still make the championship depending on who wins and whatnot. So I'll go with Kurt Busch. I think Kurt Busch has been a little bit more solid here recently. Okay. Um, not much, a little bit. Um, but there's also desperation there for Kurt. That, True. That's just not there for Harvick. Uh, next row, we've got Joey Logano. He's, he's the only driver that's automatically yes. qualified for Phoenix right now. 9900 not a terrible price tag. Uh, next to Chase Elliott, 10,400. Do or die for Chase Elliott, it seems like. I think there's a chance he could point his way in. Um, obviously, yeah, I mean, he's 25 prefer- points down. So he could point his way in, but essentially he would need to get first in both of the first two stages, have Kislowski not get any points. And then finish and maybe then finish- 17 point positions in front of Kislowski as well. And then finish, yeah, something like 10 spots better than Kozlowski. He needs a win. <laughs> so it's not it's not impossible. By the way, Bowman is in that same spot, also 25 points out. So, you know. And, by the way, Kozlowski's on the pole and Chase is starting, what, eighth? Um, so he's already at a positional disadvantage in terms of spots on the track. So... Yeah, but here's the thing with Logano. We we said going into Texas that he probably doesn't care about what happens at Texas, right? Because he's he's already on to Phoenix. He doesn't care. But he does because he can control who gets into the championship and who he has to face for the championship. Because when it comes down to it, if he gets another win, 
then three people are going to have to point their way in because he would have been the only playoff driver to win in the final stage or the, the final round of the playoffs. So, you know, based on that, depending on what happens, if somebody crashes out, like let's say for sake of argument that, I don't know, Kevin Harvick is having a terrible day. And you know that if you have a shot to win it and three guys are going to have to point their way in and because of the bad day that Harvick is having and the great day that three other people are having, you've now eliminated the guy that's won like nine times this year. There's some motivation there for Logano. All right. Um... He's also been pretty solid here. I'm not just saying, like, he's some shill. He's been pretty solid here. Yeah, I guess my issue is, like, uh, typically when I get to this part of the year with DFS, is like I, I really start, especially in the round of eight, it's like I, if the guys qualify for the championship four, I typically fade them in DFS. This year I haven't really stuck by that approach, um, especially in Xfinity and the truck race tonight. Like we saw Sheldon Creed really try to make a run to like be competitive, lead laps, right. and win this race. So it's like I don't necessarily want to sleep on Joey Logano, even though I understand that ownership could be pretty light. And 9,900 for a guy of his caliber is pretty good, I feel, for for this track. Yeah, and you've got a little bit of built-in PD. I mean, he's starting seventh, so let's say he gets into the top three. You got a handful of PD points. You got a solid finish there. He could go out and lead some laps. He's accustomed to it. So, yeah, you know. I don't have a pro- I like the Logano Chase Elliott line better than I like the Kurt Busch Kevin Harvick line. All right. I kind of agree with that, actually. Uh, we'll move on to the next row. Uh, Kyle Busch, 9,600, coming off a win at Texas, uh, next to Ryan Blaney, 10,700. Uh, both these guys have top five upside here. Um, average finish for Kyle Busch over his last four Martinsville races is 10th, 7.8 for Blaney. Um,. I don't really know how to read this line. It's not I'm really jumping you. off. Yeah, it's it's not really jumping off the page. And but I mean, obviously, two big name drivers, two very talented right. drivers. Kyle Busch is coming off his first win, thank God. Um, well, because here's so yeah, that's what it comes down to is what's the motivation here? Because Kyle Busch is now off the Schneid. Yeah. Right. He Does got he, the win that he wanted. He got the win. Does he now want to affect the playoffs, knowing that he's not in it, and this is the last shot for somebody to go make a championship run? Like, does he want to be the guy that affects somebody else's championship run the way that he hates it when people get in his way who aren't in the playoffs? And then Blaney, it's not like he's racing for a ride. He's already locked up for – he signed a multi-year extension. Yeah. I mean, he obviously wants to get a win, clearly, but does he also want to be – I mean, he's got – Kislowski's trying to make his way into the championship – Obviously, Logano's already in there, but so that's a there's look trying to get into these guys' mental headspace is is tough. And if I'm going to take one of these two, I might take the discount with Kyle Busch because he's eleven hundred bucks cheaper, and he's got. But ultimately, would you rather just target the two guys in the next row? I probably would. Yeah. Uh, for some good value coming out, bigger discount. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I can't. Di- you know, obviously, Kyle Busch and and Ryan Blaney are going to be in the playbook. Okay. Clearly, they're big enough names. They're in the DFS rankings. They've, you know, Blaney's finished in the top five here three out of the last four times. Kyle Busch is finished in the top five two of the last four times as a win. Um. But it's just kind of tricky to figure out where they stand at this point in the season, knowing that Kyle Busch now no longer needs that win to keep the streak going. All right, next row is Christopher Bell at 6,800, Matt DiBenedetto at 7,000. Um, good value here. Uh, I do want a little bit of exposure to – actually, I don't think I want exposure to Bell because he just doesn't have a lot of experience here. Uh, well, so here's, so here's the thing. I was looking at this earlier because I was like, he doesn't have a lot of experience. He finished 28th here in July when they raced on that Wednesday. It was hot as all get out. This was the one where Austin Dillon had to be taken to the care center for, like, passing out. Wound up with the, like, giant blister on his rear end from, like, 
the water packs and whatever. Um, it was an unpleasant race, right? He did move up a handful of spots. Now, granted, passing from 32nd to 28th is not nearly as hard when you're is going from 11th further up, right? Here's the thing, though. He's $6,800 on DK. That means he needs 34 points to hit value. Mm -hmm. 11th place is 33 points. And if we're talking about starting spots well. He moves up one spot, he hits value. If we are talking about the starting spots, like this is a good range to target cheap drivers because... These are guys that if they can hold their position, the longer they can hold this, their position, the less likely it is that they will be impacted by negative PD. Because if if drivers starting further, further behind them are getting lapped, then it bodes well for the floor of these drivers that are 6,800, 7,000, and even guys in the next row, too, that are under 8K. Like, it bodes well for their value because it's sitting in good floor. Now, they could still wreck out, and if they have to leave the track, then they fall further behind because the guys that are left will eventually pass them. However, I do like the value that we're getting here because if they can just stay on the lead lap, they still have the upside to move forward, but it's like the, the PD from the guys that are falling laps down, like, there is a good floor to be had here with these value options. Yeah. And so I'm still conflicted about Bell because I'm with you. He doesn't have experience here. But you feel okay about Matty D? I do. Uh, he ran well here in July, if I remember correctly. I think he finished seventh. Uh, yeah, he started 19th and finished seventh. Um, and in this race last year, he started 12th, which is where he's starting now. And finished 16th. So not great, but also not the same car he's in this year. Also, one other thing to keep in mind. The Wood Brothers shop is like literally down the road from Martinsville Speedway. Mm-hmm. It's like literally down the road. Um, and I know that people say like down the road is just everywhere is down the road. But I mean, like this is their home track. Like. <laughs> they are like a stone's throw away. They're still looking for their 100th career Cup Series win. And Matty D really wants his first win. Um, so there's a little bit of a narrative going on here. He has run. He did run well here earlier this year. Um, from what I see, the weather is going to be, a, I guess, in the low 60s, I think, on Sunday, which is pretty decent racing weather. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'd probably be more inclined to take a shot at Matt AD than Christopher Bell, but if Bell holds that spot, he basically hits value. Cool. Matt AD's got to move up a few spots, but if he finishes seventh, like he did in June or July, then he hits value. No problem. Cool. Uh, next row is William Byron at 7,700, Austin Dillon, 7,300. There's some skepticism, some confusion regarding William Byron. He is going to be racing at Martinsville. Yes. Um, he was in your track breakdown as a pretty solid contrarian play. Do you want to elaborate a little bit on that? Spoiler alert for those who haven't read it. Yes. So um, ESPN came out with a breaking news thing. Uh, well, yesterday, I guess, on Thursday, said William Byron was out for Martinsville. and But that was incorrect. They meant his pit crew is out for Martinsville mm-hmm. because basically his entire pit crew was tested positive for COVID. And by the way, they were out for Texas, and nobody realized that. Um, so he had been being serviced by the, I think, the 47 crew became his pit crew. And then I think the number eight JRM Motorsports crew became the 47 crew. I don't know. There's a lot of moving pieces here. So William Byron is raising Martinsville. His pit crew is not there. He's going to have the same backup pit crew um, that he had in Texas, which, by the way, got him a 13th place finish in Texas. Now, the reason why he's contrarian, not only is a lot of people concerned because he's got like some backup pit crew now, but his average finish in Martinsville in the last four races is 17.8. Okay, doesn't sound great. However, if you look at his last two races in Martinsville, two top tens. So, including, by the way, runner-up to Martin Drex Jr. in this race last year. Um, 
So, um, you know, he, he's got a little bit of mojo going there for him. He did well at Texas last week with a 13th place finish, even with the backup pit crew and, you know, the race being on hold for 72 hours. Um, so I, I kind of like him in this spot. I think he's going to be a little bit overlooked, especially with the consistency that Alex Bowman has shown in starting third, the desperation that Chase Elliott has in starting eighth, and we'll get to his other teammate, Jimmy Johnson, who's starting way back. Um, I think Byron might be the overlooked guy at Hendrick, mm-hmm. but I think he might actually he possess always is. the most... I think he actually possesses the most value, mm-hmm. and that's not just saying it because he's actually the cheapest guy at 7700 on DK, but... He needs to do the least to hit the value. So I, I really kind of like Byron as an overlooked guy this week. And kind of staying away from Austin Dillon. Yeah, he's not been very good here. This is a track that's just not been one of the ones that he's figured out. Obviously, he didn't have a very good run here. Um, earlier this year, I think, didn't he blow a tire on the first lap? I feel like he does that at every track. Um, and then the crush <laughs> panel came out, and so he had been inhaling carbon monoxide for basically 400 laps, and they had to take him out of the car, and he got, like, basically carbon monoxide poisoning. Um, so, yeah, I just don't think he runs all that well here. He's got one top 20 finish in the last four races here, so you can kind of overlook uh, Austin Dillon. All right, next row we have Cole Custer, 6,900. Uh I'm not going to say nice because nope. I don't think he's a nice play this week. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, next to Clint Boyer, 8,300. Uh, how do we feel about Boyer? I know sometimes at, uh, Bristol is a really good time to get it. So clean. he has won at Martinsville. Okay. He's got he the did clock. He win here. This was one of – you remember the year a few years ago he won um, basically every week that there was an off week following the race? Was that 2018? So, 2018 or 2017. I think it was 2018. Yeah. He won at Martinsville, and then it was Easter weekend the next weekend, so he had an entire week to party. And then he won at Michigan, and then it was an off weekend because it was like, um, <laughs> I don't know, the summer, like Labor Day off weekend or something. Um, yeah, so he's won here. Um, he's pretty frustrated he didn't get the win at Texas just because of how the fuel worked out. Um, so, I don't know. I mean... This has been an okay track for Clint Boyer. I think he's okay in GPPs for a guy who may show up and get a top 10. um, Or he may show up and just kind of go around and finish about 20th. Kind of what you get with Clint Boyer here. So um, he's kind of really the only one that interests me here. Not really all that interested in Cole Custer. Um, Just not all that much experience at this track in these cars. Can't even say Xfinity because they don't run it in Xfinity, obviously. And trucks drive so much differently, you can't even compare the two. Yeah. Um, so we'll just lean Clint Boyer for GPPs on that one. Um, the next row, Tyler Reddick's all right. Um, it's hard to get excited about anybody in the next couple rows. Maybe yeah, El I mean, Stenhouse for his price. 6,300 on DK and 6,400 on FanDuel, but... It's a time-honored tradition to figure kind out of a gonna, reason that he's get down a little there. exposure to Ricky Stenhouse or not. Yeah, there's kind of a reason he's down there. And by the way, he's also now got a backup pit crew because I guess Byron took his pit crew is what I was reading. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Stenhouse, not so great here. Eric Jones... Uh, he was actually my fate of the week this week. This is a track he can't figure out. Um, he's gone backwards every single time in the last five races. Um, he's crashed out a couple of times. The three times he's managed to finish in the top 20 in the last five races, which, yes, I know. It sounds like, oh, he's got three top 20s in five races. We should play him. Well, let me put it this way. He's finished 17th, 20th, and 20th, and he started, I believe, Eighth, uh, or yeah, he started 13th and finished 17th, started eighth and finished 20th, and started eighth and finished 20th. 
So, and then the last time he's finished, he started anywhere near 19th, he's finished like 26th and 39th. So, Martinsville is not a track he does very well at. Um, and frankly, at this point, what does he have to race for? I mean, I know he's trying to get a win for the 20 team, but I mean, but there's not really anything to to go for there. Um, he also doesn't want to screw up the potential championship chance Denny Hamlin may have um, or Martin Truex. So Almirola, not terribly excited about him here either. Just doesn't do all that well. Uh, but now we're getting to some guys that I do actually kind of like. All right. Uh, I'm guessing that's going to be Ryan Newman and ooh, the Ryan, uh, the line of Ryan's Ryan Newman, Ryan Priest. Newman is 6,500. Yeah. Uh, Priest is 5,600. Priest has been a guy that I've actually been getting exposure to the last couple of weeks paid off a little bit. Not great. Uh, do you think he's it's a good time? Dirt, he's just dirt cheap. This he's week. dirt cheap every single week, especially yeah. this week from the starting 5, spot. 5,600 on DK and 4,500 on FanDuel. So, He's raced here three times in the Cup Series. He has two top 20 finishes. Uh, he's starting 22nd. So, you know, at those price tags, you don't really have to do all that much. If he sneaks into the top 20, he's basically hit value. Ryan Newman has three top 15 finishes uh, at Martinsville in the last four races. Two of those are top 10s. His average finish is 13.3. And he moves up about eight or nine spots a race. And guess what? He's starting 21st. So if you add eight, if you take 21 and you move him up eight spots, he gets to 13th. That's his average finish. That's why we like Ryan Newman this week. Um, PD is kind of tough to come by here. Um, there's only about a handful of guys, less than a handful of guys that move up 10 spots a race. There's, I don't know, about nine or so that move up six or more spots a race. Newman is one of those guys. So we kind of, we, we like Ryan Newman, going to like Ryan Priest. Um, Nemechek and McDowell, there. Yeah, we can kind of look past them right now. They're not great at short tracks. No, agreed. Um, Ty Dillon and LaJoy, though. It's kind of interesting because yes. their position differential per race is pretty good. Yes. Uh, Ty Dillon has a couple of top 15 finishes um, here. In the last four races, he moves up about seven spots a race. Corey LaJoy really moves up well. He moves up about eight spots a race. Um, and he's actually cheaper than Ty Dillon. He's 5500 and 4000 on FanDuel. Um, so I really like both of them. And then uh, the next row is about where I'm going to cut it <laughs> off here. What? Uh, I know why you want to cut it off here. Uh, but Jimmy Johnson's 9300 He has a well, ton of grandfather clocks. And Busher. I do like Busher. Can you elaborate on Busher? Yeah. So Busher has three top 15 finishes in his last four races at Martinsville. Mm. And he's got four top 15s in his eight in his last eight races here. And in the last eight races, he's moved up five spots a race with a about 17 average finish. But in the last four, he's done even better than that with a 14.8 average finish. So uh, he and Ryan Newman are both on the same team. Roush does pretty well at Martinsville. They have pretty good setups. Both those drivers do pretty well at Martinsville. So um, starting 28th and being 6,700 is pretty intriguing uh, for me. And Jimmy Johnson's got like nine grandfather clocks. Um, and he actually led 70 laps here in the July race um, before he kind of faded. Um so I don't, I'm having a tough time wrapping my head around the price tag though. Ninety three hundred on DK and ninety seven hundred on FanDuel. Yeah, I mean he's strictly a PD play, but this is a PD right. play that we thought was always been a PD play this season, and it just seems like he's looking forward to next season a lot. Yeah, I mean he did look decently fast there at Texas for a while, and then again he just kind of faded, and I don't know. If it's his crew chief, I don't know if it's his driving style. Um, I don't know exactly what's up, but he can't seem to complete a race, really. Um, and uh, we'll throw one more guy in there, and that's Bubba. He's starting yep. pretty far back, which kind of scares me here. Um, he's, what, 32nd, I think, is where he's starting. 
The price tag is seventy two hundred on DK and seven thousand on FanDuel. Um, but he does have nice position differential upside in four races here. He's posted a nine point two PD per race. Um, but again, you got to be concerned about how many times is he going to get lapped starting this far back. Just how quickly can he move up? Um, to try to stay as close to that lead lap as possible because every lap down that he falls, it caps his position upside. So, um, you know, normally we go a little further back or normally we talk a little bit more about the guys in the mid-20s, but they're just not that interesting this week. It's also because, like, these are guys that we know are just going to get lapped. Yeah. I mean, to give you an idea... Like, in the truck race Friday night, there was 200 laps, and... I think Jennifer Joe Cobb got lapped on lap eight. Yeah, that's. <sighs> I mean, in the in the July race here, fourteen drivers finished on the lead lap. Yeah. Uh, in this race last year, you had nineteen drivers finish on the lead lap. In the fall race. In or sorry, the spring race in 2019, you had 20 on the lead lap at the finish. In the um, fall race in 2018, there was 20, and in the spring race in 2018, you had 14 drivers on the lead lap at the end of the race. So you're gonna see roughly half the field get lapped at least one time, mm-hmm. almost right. assuredly. Uh, any strategy for this weekend? You targeting a lot of cash contests or mostly just GPPs? Um, for short tracks, it's a little tricky because for short tracks, so number one, the pole sitter is absolutely in play on, in cash games at short tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, usually that's not the case, obviously, because you don't want the negative PD. But here they click off laps so dang fast that the lap slide will rack up so much faster than their position is going to fall. It doesn't really kill you that bad. Um, but, yeah, I mean, here, you're going to need laps led. You're absolutely going to have to basically sell out to get laps led and then hope you find the guys that move up successfully through the field. Um, I don't think cautions have been that big of an issue here of late, of the last, like, nine races. I think I saw one of them had more than like seven natural cautions. Um, So it's just not a big, it's just not a big to do here. Um, So, you know, I don't know if I would actually lean more cash or GPP. I feel like I'd probably go a little bit more GPP this week than cash because there's going to be, I think, a little stronger chalk in cash than there will be in GPPs. Right. Um, so it might be a little easier to build lineups for you in GPPs, a little bit more differentiation there. Um, but yeah, a handy thing to check out in the track breakdown. Well, I mean, the whole thing is really handy to check out, but uh, pay attention to the uh, finish ranges by starting spot ranges table. It's smack in the middle of the track breakdown there. It basically shows you over the last five races, guys that start, in the starting spots that are listed down the left-hand side of the table, um, where they finish by finish ranges across the, you know, across the top of the table. So to give you an idea, um, there are 20, you know, these, these starting spot ranges are basically one through five. So there's five drivers in that group over the last, I guess, four races. That gives you a total of 20, um, of those 20 drivers, nine of them have finished in the top five. So nine drivers that have started in the top five in the last... Nine of the 20 drivers to start in the top five in the last four races have finished in the top five. So guys aren't really moving backwards very much. Um, and, you know, there's also eight... So guys that are starting in spots six through ten... Eight of those have finished in spots six through ten. Okay. So, you know, overall, the top ten starting spots of the 40 uh, top ten 
starting spot or finishing spots that you would have over the last four races. Let's see, 17, 19, 24, 24 of the 40 top 10 finishing spots have come from the top 10 starting spots. Good to know. So they're basically starting in the top 10 and finishing in the top 10. They're shuffling around a little bit, but they're not moving that far. So so finish position and laps led are going to be huge. And by the way, the scores are going to be massive on FanDuel this weekend, whenever the hell they figure out how to count the scores. Um, Because laps completed, there's 500 laps. So if your dudes finish all 50, all 500 laps, that's 50 points per guy. That's 250 points just as a base before you even include laps led and position differential and finish position. So get ready for massively high scores on FanDuel, DraftKings, uh, pretty decently high scores too. It's not uncommon to see a couple of different drivers post over 100 DraftKings points per race. Um, in fact, it's happened two of the last three, three of the last four, um, nearly happened four of the last five. Came within five points of being four of the last five races. But certainly in three of the last four races, there have been two drivers per race to post more than 100 DK points. All right. Well, Matt, thank you as always for your time. Really insightful stuff. We will be in the chat leading up to the Xfinity race. Again, that playbook is mostly going to consist of a table breakdown for every driver. Uh, but we'll have a full-on playbook and example lineups and we'll be in the chat someday leading up to the race. But Matt, thank you for your time. Best of luck to you and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.